Hey, what if your home's title, which is the legal document that proves you own your home, is in some criminal's name? Well, that's called home title theft, and criminals all over the world can find your home's title online, and then they'll forge your signature, they'll take out loans against your home, or even worse, sell your home. Now, how do you know some criminal is not taking over the title to your home? You can find out with sign up at HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster, I stay asleep longer, and now you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity, and Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. This is an epic failure. There's no excuse. There's there's no spin. There's no rationale. Wherefore, how come, why it is total and utter failure, an epic failure that they better, better get their act together fast or they're all going to pay the price politically. And that's my message to these dopey swamp people in Washington. And yeah, mostly the Republicans. It's the Republicans that promised in 2010, give us the House, we'll repeal and replace Obamacare. Give us the House and, and, and Senate in 2014, we'll repeal and replace Obamacare. And it's give us the House and the Senate. You have a president sitting at his desk. He'll sign what you send him. To get on the road to fixing the mess of $8,000 on average premium increases by these because of Obamacare and the millions that lost their doctors and their coverage and, and the death spiral that has now become so rampant nationwide where how many, what percentage of counties in the country have one option, one, and in some cases they'll have zero options 
And you have the head of the healthcare industry saying this is a death spiral. We can't afford it. We're losing. We're out. At least the House bill, as imperfect as it was, and I told you it was imperfect, and it was frustrating then because what did we learn? We learned at least 100 House Republicans were full of crap. They had never had any intention of repealing and replacing Obamacare. Never. Not one in, they, there wasn't even a thought to them. But we knew that at the time because every time they would have a show vote, some 50, 60 show votes, they'd never use their constitutional authority, the power of the purse, where they could actually put some teeth into it and defund Obamacare. They didn't want to do that. They didn't want to take a risk. Well, now we're, now we're at a tipping point. So now you got the Senate. And health care failed again today. And then Mitch McConnell. Well, first, let me play the president. I won't play Mitch McConnell. Here's the president reacting with disappointment and saying that he's not going to own Obamacare. Let it fall. Let it fail. Well, it's failing and it's in a death spiral. That's not going to help the people that currently need help desperately. Listen to the president. We've had a lot of victories, but we haven't had a victory on health care. Uh, we're disappointed. I am very disappointed because, again, even as a civilian, for seven years I've been hearing about health care and I've been hearing about uh, repeal and replace. And Obamacare is a total disaster. Some states had over a 200 percent increase, a 200 percent increase in their premiums and their deductibles are through the roof. It's an absolute disaster. And I think you'll also uh, agree that I've been saying for a long time, let Obamacare fail and then everybody's going to have to come together and fix it and uh, come up with a new plan and a plan that's really good for the people with much lower premiums, much lower costs and much better protection. I've been saying that, Mike, I think you'll agree for a long time. Let Obamacare fail. It'll be a lot easier. And I think we're probably in that position where we'll just let Obamacare fail. Uh, we're not going to own it. I'm not going to own it. I can tell you the Republicans are not going to own it. We'll let Obamacare fail, and then the Democrats are going to come to us, and they're going to say, how do we fix it? How do we fix it? Or how do we come up with a new plan? So we'll see what happens. There's some other things going on right now as we speak. But I am disappointed because for so many years I've been hearing repeal and replace. I'm sitting in the Oval Office right next door, pen in hand, waiting to sign something. And I'll be waiting. And eventually we're going to get something done. And it's going to be very good. But Obamacare is a big failure. And it has to be changed. We have to go to a plan that works. We have to go to a much less expensive plan plan in terms of premiums. And something will happen, and it'll be very good. may not be as quick as we had hoped, but it's going to happen. Well, it's not going to be as quick as we hope. And all I'm saying is there just isn't an excuse. None. Now, I do give McConnell. If McConnell can't get this done, I'm sorry, McConnell does need to go. If they can't up their urgency in the House, then Ryan's going to need to go. And they're going to have to get people like Mark Meadows or somebody that has a sense of urgency and a desire to do the job and fulfill the promises that they made. So McConnell responds today, which, by the way, is a great plan B. And the plan B is we, we, we've talked about the 2015 bill, which everybody voted for. Now, in spite of the way it's reported, it is not a complete repeal. And and that's why, you know, when I would debate Rand Paul, it's different times. He said, let's go back to the 2015 bill. We promise we repeal it. And that does give you options. And then it gets you out of a lot of the reconciliation issues involved. And then you can build a transition plan. I have a caveat. 
You can't have a repeal bill only and then bulk it up with millions and millions and billions and billions of new spending. And it just becomes a, a boondoggle and just becomes another wasteful government big expansion. That's not going to work for me if it's under the name of let's repeal it and then we'll transition to free market competition. There are great options out there, which I'll get into in a minute. There are solutions to this problem. We have been covering them for years, discussing them for years. But here's what McConnell said. And the only thing I'll tell you is a a practical matter. I, I wish it wasn't the case, but as a practical matter, it really doesn't seem to matter because Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski and Caputo have all said they won't vote for a straight appeal, repeal. And they all voted for it, those that are there, in 2015. How do you justify voting for it then and not now? Except that you're playing hardcore politics and you never meant what you said. It's so despicable. This is the swamp. Anyway, so McConnell's repeal only bill was passed by Congress in 2015. The exact same bill Republicans passed that year. In other words, every Republican who voted for repeal in 2015 What, now they're going to suddenly oppose it because it's real now and there's a president that will sign that bill and it actually holds them accountable to the promises that they make? Here's what he said. Everyone knows about Obamacare's skyrocketing costs and its plummeting choices. Too often, however, this discussion seems to veer into the abstract. They're not just numbers on a page. These are the lives of real people. These are the men and women we represent, Americans who are hurting, middle-class families deserve better, than Obamacare's failures. We worked hard to provide them with a better way. We did so in the knowledge that this task would not be easy. We understood it would not come quickly, but we knew that it was the right thing to do, so we pushed forward anyway. I believe we must continue to push forward now. I regret that the effort to repeal and immediately replace the failures of Obamacare will not be successful. That doesn't mean we should give up. We will now try a different way to bring the American people relief from Obamacare. I think we owe them at least that much. In the coming days, the Senate will take up and vote on a repeal of Obamacare combined with a stable two-year transition period as we work toward patient-centered health care. A majority of the Senate voted to pass the same repeal legislation back in 2015. President Obama vetoed it then. President Trump, President Trump will sign it now. Democrats were celebrating last night. I hope they consider what they're celebrating. The American people are hurting. They need relief. And it's regretful that our Democratic colleagues decided early on that they did not want to engage with us seriously in the process to deliver that relief. But this doesn't have to be the end of the story. Passing the repeal legislation will allow us to accomplish what we need to do on behalf of our people. Our Democratic friends have spoken a lot recently about wanting bipartisan solutions. Passing this legislation will provide the opportunity for senators of all parties to engage with a fresh start and a new beginning for the American people. With it, I can totally, completely support this with one caveat, that they don't bulk it up with new government entitlement spending, which they're capable of. Now, I have I I will say this. I um. I have been, my frustration has been growing. You've heard me commenting now on radio and TV for weeks to get their job done. I do not understand breaking a seven-year promise. I do not understand 
how this is even a possibility that it doesn't get done. It's beyond any comprehension of how most of us live our lives. We all under-promise and over-deliver. Most of us don't go to expensive Senate dining room lunches. Most of us don't go to the Senate barber shop. Most of us don't have the, the you know, the, the, for the next six months, they have 30 days or less scheduled on the calendar to work. You don't go on a, a vacation, come back 15 days working, and then take another 30-day vacation. So here is my idea and suggestion. Failure cannot be an option. I'll support a full repeal, a transition, as long as you don't bankrupt us in the process. I think that's actually a, a, ultimately a better way to do it because I didn't particularly love the House bill at all. The only thing the House bill did was, according to the CBO, lower premiums by about 30, 35 percent and make it legal to get health savings accounts. These cooperatives of my friend, Dr. Unger and uh, Umber in, in Wichita, Atlas MD, and it also allowed in, in this particular case, a lot of free market competition, health savings accounts. So it, it, it created the the venue, but it still kept way too much of Obamacare in place. It did also eliminate the taxes. So this is my advice for Mitch McConnell if he wants to stay in power. You need to get your 52 senators in a room. I know Senator McCain's sick. He can come when when he's feeling better. We wish him the best. Get all your senators in a room. And I get a big blackboard I would bring in. And I'd say, put on a blackboard. Do your job. Keep the promises you made the American people. And in that room, I'd make everybody take their cell phones and and leave them outside. Let their aides have them outside the door. I'd, I'd have it in a room where nobody in the press can can listen in the, the air ducts and, and hear what you all are saying. And then I'd order plenty of water, Coca-Cola, Sprite, Dr. Pepper for Louis Gohmert. He likes Dr. Pepper. And I'd even, I'll even throw in pizza. I'll, I'll send pizza. And I'd throw in pizza, maybe Kentucky Fried Chicken, not, not Senate dining room uh, fare that they're used to. And I'd turn the air condition off. And I'd stay in there and I'd make you all sweat it out until you can barely tolerate it anymore. And stay in there and do what the American people do every day. That's get up, keep their promises, do their job, and do it till it's completed. And if you don't do that, Senator McConnell, you need to resign. Get out of the way. Then we'll put in a new leader. And then he could put everybody in a room. And instead of pizza, maybe we'll just give them pretzels this time. And then to stay in the room until they hammer out a deal. And if that person can't get it done, put another person in there. Stop making excuses and get your job done. Get it done. I don't want to hear it anymore. 800-941-SEAN. It's an epic failure. It is an epic. It is, it, it is a betrayal. Get your job done. There's a trillion dollars in savings needed so we can move forward with an economic plan to get people out of poverty, off of food stamps, back to work and buying homes. Vacation. Senate dining room. Can't take it anymore. Covert operative Mitch Rapp is ready for anything, but this time the enemy is ready for him. 
Read Order to Kill, the explosive new novel in Vince Flynn's number one New York Times bestselling Mitch Rapp series. Because of unscrupulous members of the Pakistani Secret Service, Rapp finds himself chasing false leads in an effort to keep Pakistani nukes from falling into the hands of terrorists. Soon, it becomes alarmingly clear that the forces in Moscow are bent on fomenting even more chaos and turmoil in the Middle East, and Rapp must go deep into Iraqi territory, posing as an American ISIS recruit. There, he uncovers a plan more dangerous and insidious than he ever expected, one that could have far-reaching and catastrophic consequences. Written with the same relentless action as Vince Flynn's greatest novels, Mitch Rapp's latest adventure is as timely and provocative as ever. Order to Kill, a Mitch Rapp novel by Kyle Mills, is now in paperback wherever books are sold. You will continue. So a good friend of mine writes me, oh, turn the air condition off. That's not going to happen. They deserve their comfort in the U.S. Senate. On a scale of 1 to 10, I, I'm going to go to Linda last because I already know the answer. Ethan, where is your head on this? Because I'm, I'm apoplectic. I'm so livid. Where are you? I, I'm really pissed off. I one, mean, 1 to 10. Where are you? Just give me a number. It's 10, 10. 10. Jason, where are you? I'm about uh, 12, 13. Where are you, Sunshine? If anyone's less than a 10, it's you. I'm a one. This is exactly what I've expected from these guys. I have no faith in them whatsoever. I'm over it. You can't be over. You know what? Because you can't be over it. Because it's like, to me, that's like giving in. You know, James is like, I'm 100. He's he's literally flashing 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 at me. Um. Linda, I, where are you? You're a thousand because you go a thousand miles. I'm, I'm apoplectic. I am so. Did you notice I almost cursed on the air in the last segment? I did. I'm. That's what the. That's the negative impact you've had on my career. You put, pushed You're me welcome. to that point. I'm well. I'm. Yeah. Okay. That happens. And here we go. Here come the protests. Here come the the. Boycotts. I don't know if you've heard the protests, but they use lots of savory language. Yeah. No, that's true. But so, what's your number on this? You know, I don't have a number. I'm kind of like Mel Gibson and Braveheart as I storm in to Freedom. take over the counties, you know, and I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna take some I'm gonna take some names and numbers. You, so, you know, I'm beyond. You know how short sighted this is. I mean, this is what drives me crazy about political fear. And these politicians, they get they get the job and they want to be called congressman and senator and governor and you know whatever their name is, whatever their title is, and they get it and they like it and they their egos are are satisfied and the whole notion of of the people they were that were running that were making promises that had principled ideas that wanted to make the country better all of a sudden it becomes more important it begins to balance begins to shift and they like the power they like the prestige more than they they like the concept of serving the american people and so they think when they don't take a risk and they don't take a chance, and they're not courageous, that somehow they're, they're taking the safe route to stay in power and keep their prestige. But the reality is it's, it's just it's not true. I mean, it's, there's a, a, a great, great divide here. The irony is that if they would be courageous, if they would keep their promises, if they would do the right thing, if they would unite, unite us, Remember Sir William Wallace, we're going to use Braveheart. Unite us. They do their job. That's good politics. This is really dumb politically. We'll continue. Bring them a counter. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Toll-free telephone numbers, 800-941-SEAN. 
if you want to be a part of the program. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this a lot more, about what ought to happen here. And I'm not kidding around. This is not a joke to me. This is you, 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 you take the 52 senators, you get in a room, you take their phones, you lock the door and you keep them in there. And you know what? Our framers and our founders didn't have air conditioning. Let's turn off the air conditioner. And if we want to be really nice, we'll send in a couple of fans so that some of the older members don't pass out or get dehydrated. Send in plenty of water, plenty of Coke, plenty of Sprite, plenty of Dr. Pepper for Louis Gohmert. He never stops drinking it. Take care of them. Send in pizza. No Senate dining room food. Send in Kentucky Fried Chicken and burgers. That's Trump's favorite. Send them in. And put on the blackboard, keeping our promises, serving the American people. That's what I think they ought to do. And don't come out till you're done. Don't come out till you can say the words, we have an agreement. We agreed to repeal Obamacare. We've agreed on the transition for two years. We have agreed that we're going to allow and it's going to be legal to get catastrophic plans, which are what young people need. Young people were screwed in, in the Obamacare deal more than anybody. They were forced to buy a plan they didn't want, didn't need, so that the money would be funneled to the sick and the elderly and the uninsured. So they can buy the catastrophic plan that they want now. That's a smart thing to do. And then we can create, you know, health savings accounts right out of the box. Why wait two years on that? And then we can create health care cooperatives like our buddy Dr. Umber down at Atlas MD in Wichita. I mean, there are so many easy answers. Can you imagine that every American can actually get cat, uh, concierge health care for $50 a month? I mean, I've had Dr. Umber on this program now since 2012. I didn't even know it was that long until he told me the other day. He knows the exact date. It was in the summer of 2012. Five years we've had this man on the program. Five years, and for, for 15 years, I've been talking about Musgrave and Goodman and Patient Power, which was put out by the Cato Institute, which identifies health savings accounts as the perfect answer. In other words, you're building your own account tax-free throughout the years. In your younger years, it incentivizes you to go and, and get a checkup, and that's basically all young people need unless they need stitches or they break a bone or something like that. It's it's not the health care that they need. Most health care is for for your older years in life. But if you have a catastrophic plan, then you have, okay, if God forbid you have an accident, you get cancer, you have a heart attack, you have an, you have an answer. And whatever your deductible is, if you make it a, a $2,000 deductible, okay, it's going to cost more than a $5,000 deductible than a $10,000 deductible. But at least it doesn't bankrupt you if you have a, a bad car accident. It doesn't bankrupt you if you get cancer, God forbid. Young people tend to not get it. They get it, but not that often. Or if you have a heart attack at a young age, a few people have them, not many. But at least you'd be taken care of. It's illegal under Obamacare. You have Obamacare in a death spiral. You have the average family didn't see, on average, $2,500 a year savings every year for the last eight years. Just the opposite. The average family has seen premium increases up to this year, about $8,000 on average per family. Just the opposite of what was promised. Health insurers now have pulled out of the marketplaces all over the country. There are more counties that only have one option, and, and next year they may have none because no insurer wants to do this anymore because it's been a disaster for them. And then on top of all that, then you've you've also got, you know, all, there's no competition. There's we're, The government intrusion into our life, how many millions lost their doctors, lost their plans? But imagine 
healthcare cooperatives. Now, Dr. Umber has been able to duplicate nearly, what, 600, 800 places, been able to duplicate what he did in Wichita and what he did is amazing. For $50 a month, you get unlimited medical care. Now, he also assumes that most of his patients, and he's told me that most of his patients are like me, they dread going to the doctor. I don't feel like going to the doctor. I don't want to spend the day at the doctor. I don't want him poking and prodding and telling me to take my pants and my shirt off. I don't feel like doing it. I tend to do it once a year because my doctor traps me into some type of, and then when he traps me, then I got to do everything. He traps me into getting into his office for under false pretenses. And then when I'm there, you know, he gives me the whole works. All right, just get on the treadmill. It's only 15 minutes. Come on, 15 minutes, 15 minutes. Just do it, do it, do it. And, And I'll do the treadmill. And then he takes my blood. And then I don't even want to tell you the rest of what he does. He does it all. And then, okay, I walk away with a, with a clean bill of health, I can go home, fine, I feel better. But imagine if you can have catastrophic insurance, which is very inexpensive, depending on what your deductible is. So God forbid you have that heart attack, you have that, you you get cancer, you have a bad accident. But more importantly, your day-to-day health coverage, which is what 99% of people need, that you have a doctor who's available 24-7 for $50 a month, and that includes x-rays and services, pharmaceuticals at a 97% discount because he negotiates directly with the pharmaceutical corporations. You don't have to stop by the drugstore on the way home because he gives you your medicine on the way out the door if you have high blood pressure or, or high cholesterol. He does quick you know, blood tests right within his office. That includes lab work. It includes x-rays. It includes stitches. It even includes some broken bones in some instances. But anything that's beyond that, then, okay, you have your catastrophic insurance that'll cover that if you have a really bad incident that happens to you. I mean, it's the perfect one-two combination. There is a solution. There is an answer. It's not top-down, government-run anything. And when you allow the free markets and you allow the individual medical practices competing for your health care dollars, how much do you spend a year now? You know, what, what's the average premium for an individual? $20,000 a year I know people are paying. That's for like a family plan. But individuals are paying ten grand a year. It's an insane amount of money. Not only are you covered at 50 bucks a month for you, but then 10 bucks a month for all of your children. And that means if, if they get ear infections or, or they have a temperature or they get, I don't know, chicken pox, that's all, that's all covered. And the medicines are covered. And the late-night visits are covered. And the late-night phone calls are covered. And you don't go to this stupid emergency room or this idiotic facility with somebody you don't even know who they are. And you can call your doctor 24-7. So, I mean, there are great answers to our health care dilemma. And I know the left, they were giddy last night. Chuck Schumer's celebrating. Well, what are they celebrating? They're celebrating their failure. They're celebrating the disaster they caused. But the bigger problem is Republicans. By the way, I forgot to remind you, if you're a job seeker, go to ExpressPros.com, nearly 800 locations around the country. They'll give you all the career inspiration that you need. You can get their Express podcast on the job, hired to retired when you listen to podcasts. But if you need a job, a job seeker never pays a fee, ExpressPros.com. Now, I got to tell you something. This is not a failure that will go unnoticed. I'm real. I'd be very happy with the repeal of Obamacare, the same thing they voted for in 2015. 
I'd be very happy with that. But I'm not going to be happy if they can't get it done. And if they can't get it done and they can't do their job and they can't fulfill their promises, then they don't deserve to lead. It's, it's really that simple. It's not any more complicated. And it would be like any of you that in your life, in your job, in your career, and you make promises, you better fulfill your promises. One of the things that I, I, I learned very early with my kids if I promise, oh, I'm going to take you to Disney if you do A, B, or C, they'd rush off and do A, B, and C, and then I'd be stuck going to Disney. And if you don't keep your promises, how do they trust you? you got to keep your word. I mean, we promise every day, news, information, commentary, entertainment, you're not going to get anywhere else. Well, our day starts at 7 a.m. on this program, and it's my great pleasure to do it. It's an honor to be here. Like, it's an honor to be on TV. I can't imagine not working harder in this show every day because that's what I promised to do. I can't phone in all this information. You got to work. You got to study. You know, as a general rule, for every hour you spend on the air, you spend hours behind the scenes preparing. I know a lot of people, maybe they're far more talented than me, can get away with not preparing, but I prepare. I just have no patience with these broken promises. 2010, 2014, 2016, repeal, 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 repeal. This was their big chance. Now, all of a sudden, they they can't even do a simple repeal because three of the people that voted to repeal in 2015 say, well, I didn't mean that. Well, that means the only reason they did vote in 2015 is because they knew Obama was going to veto the bill. This is their big opportunity. You got they vote. Do you know I looked it up in the break? The Republican controlled House has voted 68 times to repeal or delay parts of Obamacare 68 times. What is this, a a big game, a big giant fraud to these people? We actually are stupid enough that we believed you people. If Republicans want to be successful, I'll tell you right now, they don't fix this problem. They are at risk, and this is very bad for the president. They will be at risk in losing the House in 2018. I promise you that's going to be the case. And it should be the case. Or, they'll, or I promise you there's going to be primary after primary after primary. And this should be a year in the Senate where they pick up at least six seats. I, you know, I've been pointing out now for days, all they need to do is this. They, they need to repeal Obamacare if they transition. it. I'm fine with that. I think most Americans would be fine with that as long as they don't break the budget and break the bank in the process. If they get that done, and you need the trillion-dollar savings for the economic plan and the budget plan, we'll talk to the budget committee chairman later in the program today. We got Rand Paul coming up today. And Rand Paul, by the way, was pushing the idea of just full repeal like 2015 when we first started this debate, even before the House bill was passed. And I wasn't that thrilled with the House bill, except the CBO scored it at 30 35% premium savings for the average American, and it opened up the possibility of cooperatives and health savings accounts, and it was a good first step, although not a complete repeal, as they had promised. But then we were all shocked to find 100 House Republicans didn't mean what they said. But if they get these four things done, we'll be they'll be fine. If they repeal this bill, put a good practical bridge bill in place that offers free market competition that doesn't break the bank, 
if the American people can see at least 300 miles of the border wall and the rest of the border wall, the seven, 800 miles, whatever it is, funded, and they can see it with their own eyes, if that's done, if they can really push the energy revolution, because the energy revolution is going to create, if America dedicates itself to energy independence, there's millions of high-paying career jobs for people. I mean, $100,000, $200,000 a year jobs for people. There's going to be millions of them. And then we won't depend on the, the Saudis and the Middle Eastern countries that hate our guts for the lifeblood of our economy. So the next thing they've got to do is it's very, very simple. Then they got to get the middle class tax cuts done because that's going to stimulate the economy, create jobs, get people out of poverty off of food stamps and back in the labor force. Then they've got to give the corporate tax cut because that does the same thing. The repatriation of trillions that multinationals park overseas well, you give them a, a reduced rate of 5%, 10% and let that money back into the country, they're not going to put it in a bank. That's not how multinational corporations work. You can incentivize them and say, we'll let you bring it back for 5% if you build a, a manufacturing center or a factory in Detroit or or Milwaukee or Cleveland or Philly or or any of these, or Pittsburgh or any of these areas that are depressed around the country that need jobs. Go to the highest you know, unemployment counties, parts, cities in the country and, and incentivize those corporations to build their factories here. That's going to create jobs, get the economy going. And all the noise about Russia, all the noise about everything goes away. That's all they need to do. That's it. Just do that. And, and the American people will respond and say, OK, jobs are being created. The economy's coming around. People are getting out of poverty. Let's see. Home ownership rates will start going up. More money will be coming into the federal government. Make it retroactive for the year. That'll serve as a tax cut for every American. Give people more of their hard-earned money back. And let's get the country moving again. Isn't that what we're, if, if they can't do that, then what do these people stand for? Then at that point, there's no need to have anybody in power because they're they're as bad or worse than the Democrats. I'm I'm apoplectic. I, I, I can't even I can't express the anger I feel. It's so frustrating. But it can be fixed. That's the upside. They better fix it. I like my idea. Throw them in a room with fans like our founders and framers. Hey, Linda, what a shocker. My 18 year old college bound son is in my studio. We only have about 30 seconds. All right. So how's how do you like college so far? I love college. It's the best time of my life. And you're behaving, and you tell me everything that you're doing, right? Absolutely. I mean, I can't share. I can't hide any secrets from you. And and how many rules do I have for you? Um, six. No, we have seven. Seven rules. No, you have six. No, I. But there's one extra one. Well, you can't throw that in now. I, no, I can so throw it in now. Why can't I throw in the rules now? Well, I. You know, there's seven. Tell them there's seven. We have five seconds. There, there are seven rules. I have just confirmed. And how many have you broken? We'll take a break. We'll come back. There's only one way to truly fix Obamacare. Only one way. And that's a full repeal. A full repeal. That's been our goal from the start. That's our goal now. And we plan to achieve it. It's clear that any serious attempt to improve our health care system must begin with full repeal and replacement of Obamacare. Amish and I remain fully committed to fighting on behalf of the people of Arizona. 
repealing Obamacare's poorly crafted and misguided mandates and replacing the law with a fiscally responsible reform bill that contains costs and provides more choices is the best path forward. You can't repair this monstrosity. you got to tear it down and start all over again. How do you get to that point, though? When they lose elections. And do you think that's the key, that the Republicans have to take the Senate? And from that point, you can yeah. have a different strategy? Yeah, the ones who survive in 2016 or up in 2016 are going to have a different attitude. All right, Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941. Sean, that, those are the promises you've heard over the years again and again and again. Give us the House in 2010. Give us the Senate in 2014. We'll give you 50 to 60 show votes but we won't use the power of the purse. Then we'll criticize Ted Cruz and Rand Paul and Mike Lee and others for daring to say we have constitutional authority and the power of the purse. And, oh, he's going to cost us the Senate in 2014, which never happened. Then you get the White House and they still can't get their act together. Now, all right. So once this attempt at repeal replace fell through today to McConnell's credit, and I even said, if he, can't get the, if he can't get the job done, he needs to go and find somebody who can get the job done. But then to his credit, he said, OK, we'll repeal the bill and we'll have a two year transition. Now, I'm fine with that going to the back to 2015, which Rand Paul is going to join us in a second. has been calling for. I'm 100 percent fine as long as you don't pork the thing up in the transition period and waste billions and billions and billions in new entitlements. Senator Rand Paul joins us now. How are you, Senator? Very good. You know, I'm encouraged. I think that we should vote on a clean repeal. Republicans are on record. Uh, 51 out of 52 Republicans in the U.S. Senate voted for clean repeal in 2015. And if they're going to vote no now, they've got some explaining to do. They well, can that's go Collins and, and Caputo and voters why they changed their mind. Collins, what's the other one? Caputo and, and Murkowski all say, no, they won't vote for full repeal. Well, I think everybody should uh, have to vote. I think it's a good thing to put people on record. And really, I think voters forgive a lot of things, even disagreement. You know, I have people all the time say, well, I don't agree with everything you do, but I know where you come from. And so I think when you vote both ways on an issue, people start to wonder uh, what you're about and if you can be trusted. And so I think everybody that voted in 2015 to repeal it ought to vote the same way if we have the same vote. You know, Senator, I this is what you wanted to do in the beginning. I remember I interviewed you very early on. I said, if this is how it ends up, I'd be happy with this. But I do have my one caveat. My one caveat is what I just said. I'm fine if as long as the transition goes on that you're not going to pork this thing up with billions and billions in extra spending. Do you agree with that? Well, to me, this is a compromise right now. This is a partial repeal, so it doesn't fix Obamacare. Obamacare will be largely in place. The adverse selection, the death spiral will still be in place. So this isn't the fix, but this is at least a compromise to repeal some of the worst parts of Obamacare. And when we continue to fix it, I'm not for adding in pork. I'm not for adding in an insurance bailout, but I am for doing some things that we should have done a long time ago, expand health savings accounts. Yep. And I'm also for letting people join an association. Nobody no plumber, no carpenter, no welder should have to buy insurance by themselves. They should be allowed to join a group to buy their insurance. And you like the guy that I, you know, I've been putting Dr. Josh Umber on the program and he's been to Washington now with, with Secretary Price and so many others for since 2012 for five years. These cooperatives, 50 bucks a month, unlimited care. The pharmaceuticals, he negotiates directly with the pharmaceutical companies, 98% discount, stitches, uh, uh, x-rays. Everything's included for 50 bucks a month. You get catastrophic insurance for cancer, a heart attack, or an accident, and you're, you're covered. It's not that complicated, Senator. 
The marketplace is amazingly innovative if you give people freedom. So if you give people freedom to join an association, the large size will bring down prices. If you give people the freedom to buy health insurance how they want it, whether they pay it cash, whether they get a concierge uh, type of practice like you're describing where you can pay a doctor and you can get unlimited visits, all of those things will happen in a free marketplace. But you've got to get government out of the way, and you've got to get rid of the Obamacare regulations. So I can't emphasize enough that while I will vote for partial repeal, which is a step in the right direction, well, the 2015 partial repeal bill. still leaves the death spiral of Obamacare in place, and it will still be a disaster until we fix and rip out the whole thing. It was a myth that 2015 was a full repeal, but it was as big a repeal as you can get based on Senate rules. Is that correct? It's close. It's a, it's a compromise. It's a partial repeal. And like I said, I'm going to vote for it because it's, it's much better than the monstrosity that they were working on that had insurance, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars for insurance bailouts. But I will tell you that it is important that the death spiral of Obamacare still continues because prices are still going to rise with this repeal. No. But the Democrats are never voting to repeal any of it. So you can't rely on them. And unfortunately, we don't have enough Republicans for a complete repeal. All right, let me bring in Congressman Dave Bratt. Congressman Bratt is a part of the Freedom Caucus, and, and frankly, the Freedom Caucus is the only reason that any bill even got out of the House. And, you know, the most frustrating part of that negotiation was we discovered 100 Republicans had no intention of ever voting to repeal, even though they ran on it for years and years. Um, are you in agreement with, with Senator Paul that this is the best option we now have? Because I actually think it's a good option. I don't think it's a bad option. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and just to tie it into the, the broader uh, discussion, we got the budget committee meetings going on right now, and the budget will include reconciliation instructions on tax reform. And so last time they said, well, just vote for a budget vehicle and trust us on health care, right? We're going to do a free market uh, reforms and lower the price and all that. Well, look where we ended up now. <clears throat> so it's, just, it's critical we get it right uh, on, on our tax reform, right? We, we need, we, there's a trillion dollars in the Do you think this is better bill, than the House health care bill? dollars in the border adjustable uh, part of the tax reform package. So we're $2 trillion light. And in D.C. speak, you need those $2 trillion to pay for getting tax right. rates low. So we got to make sure our leadership teams are looking at that tax reform package as well, because we don't want to end up in the same spot we're ended up on this health care debate, uh, not getting through the House in a free market form or the Senate total total blockage so in other and words so the senator had everything just right we need to get as much free market reforms as we can on the health care side and we do have to get that through because the tax piece is waiting on that as well and and the tax piece is the holy grail i agree with you and that money is very important that savings that you're talking about is crucial uh senator paul i guess the most important next question is is the transition how long would that be and what do you think the reality is you already have three senators saying no so how are you going to get the repeal in? Well, I think we have to have the vote either way, because I think if you voted for this bill to repeal Obamacare two years ago and you're voting against it now, I think you have to explain that to the voters. And I would suspect that there's going to be a lot of voters in those states that are going to say, we're confused. We thought you were for repealing, and now you're voting to keep Obamacare. It is true. Their point they're making is this doesn't fix the situation. I agree completely. I would do much more. But unfortunately, we can't get consensus because the big government Republicans want more subsidies for insurance companies and the free market Republicans 
Republicans want more freedom, less rules, more ability for people to join an association to buy their insurance. All right, insurance, do you and I are talking the same language. Programs. Yeah, health savings accounts, these cooperatives. The thing I love about this guy in Wichita, Dr. Umber at Atlas MD, and he's been able to duplicate this model nearly a thousand times around the country, 50 bucks a month. And then you just get catastrophic care, and, and you're fully covered, and you get the best care. It's concierge care for it's everybody. Perfect. It's, it's perfect. It's so perfect, right? And so would that – in other words, how long is the transition going to be once you repeal it? Well, what we have to do is then get to consensus for people to do the right thing, and that would be getting rid of the rest of the Obamacare regulations, legalizing expansion of health savings accounts, letting people buy their insurance out of the health savings account, and then letting people join an association, a nationwide association or co-op to buy their insurance. The, the trick is, are Democrats for any of these reforms? They don't cost any money. They won't add to the debt, and they add to our freedom, so I suspect not many Democrats will be for it. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, all I want, I mean, you know what? The things I want, guys, in, in life are pretty simple. I want my country safe and secure. I want to I question people that like, come from countries whose values contradict ours. I want a wall built so people can't just walk in anytime they want. I want an economy that gets Americans back to work, out of poverty, and off of food stamps and buying homes. You know what? None of this is happening. No Democrat's going to help. And... Congressman Bratt, if the Republicans can't agree on this, I, I really don't have a lot of hope. Yeah, well, you're right. Don't lose hope. Yeah, the, the, the one key aspect, look at, the, look at who whipped the House into shape for a vote in the end, even though it wasn't the optimal piece. Uh, President Trump came in and did whip it together. So if he gets out right now and messages on what Rand is just talking about, right, let's get a repeal. Uh, we have to get that through. There, there'll be a few Republicans who will say no to that. Uh, let's see if they can, you know, let's see if uh, Donald Trump can do some salesmanship on that piece. Yeah. And then there won't be any shortage of people lined up to light up the Christmas tree and load up health care, right? That's not going to be a problem at all. That's the way this city works. So first of all, you got to repeal it, get, get rid of as much of the regulations and the high cost provisions as we can, get the price down. And uh, the, the president is going to be key in leading the way. So his messaging over the next few days has to be very precise and telling us exactly what direction does he want us to go in. Now, yeah. All right. Stay right there. We're going to continue. Senator Rand Paul, Dave Bratt, Freedom Caucus. You know, frankly, there's so few people in Washington that we can trust on this. And these two people have been very strong leaders and principal leaders to keep their promises. And there's a few others, obviously the Freedom Caucus. Ted Cruz has been fighting hard. Mike Lee's been fighting hard and a few others, but very few. And the fact that, that these people that voted for this in 2015 are now saying no, it just it's so disgusts me. 800-941-SEAN. I'm going to give uh, both Senator Rand Paul and Congressman Dave Brad a, a crack at my plan about locking them in a room. Continue with Senator Rand Paul, the failure of the Senate to get health care done. Mitch McConnell, I think, rightly goes to, OK, let's go to 2015, do a full repeal. Dave Brad is with the Freedom Caucus. All right. So all three of us agree that that would be a really good start. The transition needs to be responsible. We all agree on that, uh, which I'm always worried about in the swamp in D.C. You know, here's what I am, am saying to Mitch McConnell. And I know he's your fellow senator from Kentucky. I'm not going to put you in a bad spot, Senator Paul, but if he can't get this done, if he can't rally his troops to do to, to follow through on this fundamental on this fundamental promise, then I, I frankly I don't have any hope for him or the Republicans in 2018. My argument is 
get a room, take everybody's phone, all 52 of you, stay in there. I'll mail pizza, I'll send pizza, I'll send chips, I'll send beer, I'll send water, I'll send Coca-Cola. You stay in there until you guys hammer out an agreement and fulfill your promise. Well, I, I might be able to go with that. Are, are you envisioning maybe like a cage match, or what do you have no, in mind? I'm saying get mind? a big enough room. Well, right now it's 51 people to Senator McCain heals and gets better. But 51 people in a room and put up on the board, keep our promises, serve the American people. Get it done. Well, I think you put the nail on the head in the sense that we promised to repeal Obamacare. Everybody did. We won four elections, and that's what the American people elected us to do. And Republicans who are now not going to vote to repeal it, uh, they ought to be put on the spot and say, how are things different? Why did you vote to do this in 2015? You've got identical language in front of you. Why are you now afraid to repeal Obamacare? And, and the Congressman Bratt, you dealt with the same thing in the House. All of a sudden, all these Republicans, many of them that said, oh, repeal, replace, and voted repeal, replace, and all those show votes, they were nowhere to be found when it came to really fixing the problem. Yeah, well, and I was talking about the opportunity President Trump has to lead on this. I mean, he's got a big White House staff, and so uh, when Republicans start turning around on their promises, uh, just pull out the news clips and send them on over to the senators, right? Get in the, get in the room, like you were saying, put up the clips with everybody promising uh what they were going to do on health care. And I think, you know, you start putting tweeting those out publicly. Here's here's the promise. And, uh, you know, you get a little flexibility up here, but not that much. Well, I, what about the idea of putting all of you senators in a room and not leaving Washington until it gets done? I mean, frankly, if Mitch McConnell can't do this, can't fulfill this promise. 2010, give us the House, we'll repeal. 2014, give us the House, Senate, we'll repeal and replace. Give us the House, Senate, and the presidency. Well, now you have them all. Now the argument is we need more senators? what What I would argue is that the onus is on the people who decide not to vote to repeal Obamacare. It really isn't. You can't force people to vote one way or the other, but we can force them to have a vote. So I am encouraged that we are moving towards a vote. We have been debating this thing and debating this thing. Let's have a vote on a repeal of Obamacare. Obamacare that we have voted on before, that we are all on record of, and if people are unwilling to, it's really the fault lies with them. It doesn't lie with others. It lies with those who refuse to vote to repeal Obamacare. Senator, do you think that your colleagues will stay until this gets done? Well, I think there could be a vote very soon. There was discussion at our caucus meeting today of doing it as soon as tomorrow. So we are... Do you envision uh, any Republican that has now gone on the record? No. Of the three, do you envision any of them backtracking? Well, I tried to encourage them that my own unsolicited political advice is is that people are willing to forgive things that you vote for that they disagree with, but they're not as forgiving for those people who seem to vote both ways depending on which way the wind is blowing. And so I think it's going to be very difficult for people, and I would suspect that there will be Republican challengers for Republicans who vote different ways, vote first to repeal it in 2015 and then against repealing it now. It's so unnecessary and so disheartening and frustrating. All right, Congressman Bratt, Senator Rampart, well, you two are not the problem. You're keeping your word. Thank you both for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Why do you send me those notes, Linda? What, what are you doing? And we'll continue straight ahead. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. The battle still engaged as it relates to 
the failure of Senate Republicans to get their promises complete on the issue of health care. So let me go to back to Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader for now, and talking about what we all know. Obamacare is failing. Okay, we knew it wasn't going to be easy, but we don't, nothing that gets done in Washington is easy. I've been explaining that. I never particularly liked the, the House bill, as I've been discussing today. And so, okay, we know it's failing. It's not easy. And then McConnell tries to, and I think do the right thing, go back to the 2015 bill. That's something we have discussed on this program ad nauseum, which is which is a smarter thing to do with with built-in time to transition out of it. As long as it doesn't include, and with everybody in D.C. in the swamp, you have to assume they're just going to throw billions at it. No, that's not going to work either. And as they transition to a new plan, but repealing it is the first step. Then you get rid of the reconciliation process, hopefully. And then Governor, I'm sorry, Vice President Pence weighs in that inaction is not an option, and it's not. And this goes to the Hannity solution. Throw them in a room, take their phones, Lock the room, throw in some pizza and and beer and water occasionally, and let them rot in there till they do their job. Anyway, let's play this. Everyone knows about Obamacare's skyrocketing costs and its plummeting choices. Too often, however, this discussion seems to veer into the abstract. They're not just numbers on a page. These are the lives of real people. These are the men and women we represent, Americans who are hurting. Middle-class families deserve better than Obamacare's failures. We worked hard to provide them with a better way. We did so in the knowledge that this task would not be easy. We understood it would not come quickly, but we knew that it was the right thing to do, so we pushed forward anyway. I believe we must continue to push forward now. I regret that the effort to repeal and immediately replace the failures of Obamacare will not be successful. That doesn't mean we should give up. We will now try a different way to bring the American people relief from Obamacare. I think we owe them at least that much. In the coming days, the Senate will take up and vote on a repeal of Obamacare combined with a stable two-year transition period as we work toward patient-centered health care. A majority of the Senate voted to pass the same repeal legislation back in 2015. President Obama vetoed it then. President Trump, President Trump will sign it now. Democrats were celebrating last night. I hope they consider what they are celebrating. The American people are hurting. They need relief. And it's regretful that our Democratic colleagues decided early on that they did not want to engage with us seriously in the process to deliver that relief. But this doesn't have to be the end of the story. Passing the repeal legislation will allow us to accomplish what we need to do on behalf of our people. Our Democratic friends have spoken a lot recently about wanting bipartisan solutions. Passing this legislation will provide the opportunity for senators of all parties to engage with a fresh start and a new beginning for the American people. Last night we learned that the Senate still doesn't have consensus on a bill to repeal and replace Obamacare at the same time. President Trump and I fully support the majority leader's decision to move forward with a bill that just repeals Obamacare and gives Congress time, as the President said, to work on a new health care plan that will start with a clean slate. 
You know, the Senate actually passed the very same bill in 2015 and sent it to President Obama's desk, and they should do it again. But to be clear, the Senate should vote to repeal now and replace later or return to the legislation carefully crafted in the House and Senate. But either way, inaction is not an option. Congress needs to step up. Congress needs to do their job, and Congress needs to do their job now. So the Democrats are loving this. As I said, the more moderate governors, uh, Terry McAuliffe is salivating at the idea that he can be president one day, which is just basically Clinton Jr. They're salivating at the fact that Republicans, here it is July 18th, they can't get the job done. And they're just hoping. And so there's there's Chuck Schumer doing what he does best, poking and prodding and, and pushing. And, well, we need a bipartisan solution. They don't want a bipartisan solution. They want the president to fail. They want to obstruct. They want the Republicans to fail. And all their anti-Trump rhetoric and obstructionism is about one that they, they, they're loving this. They don't care about the millions that lost their doctor, their plans, whose premiums have gone up $8,000 on average. They don't care. But they th- they'll act like they care. It's so phony. Listen to Crocodile Tears Schumer. Make no mistake about it. Passing repeal without a replacement would be a disaster. Our health care system would implode. Millions would lose coverage. Coverage for millions more would be diminished. <clears throat> Our health care system would be in such a deep hole that repair would be nearly impossible. In passing, in fact, passing repeal and having it go into effect two years later is in many ways worse than the Republican health care bill that was just rejected by my Republican colleagues. It's like if our health care system was a patient who came in and needed some medicine. The Republicans proposed surgery. The operation was a failure. Now Republicans are proposing a second surgery that will surely kill the patient. Medicine is needed, bipartisan medicine, not a second surgery. We urge our Republican colleagues to change their tune. We're ready to sit down right now. If Republicans abandon cuts to Medicaid, abandon huge tax breaks for the wealthy, and agree to go through the regular order, through the committees, with hearings, onto the floor, with time for amendments, that's how we perfect legislation here. That's how it's been done for 200 years. Almost inevitably, when you try to draft something behind closed doors and not vet it with the public, it becomes a failure, in this case, a disaster. All right, let's get to our busy phones here. 800-941-SHAWN is our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, As we say hi to Justin in New York. Justin, how are you? Glad you called the all-new AM710 WOR. What's going on? Uh, Well, uh, I had a few questions about this. I mean, the whole thing with the health care bill, I don't think Obamacare or uh, the the House plan or the Senate plan would really fix much. No, actually, I disagree. Because what what the Freedom Caucus fought for, and and I agree it wasn't the perfect bill, but remember, during the whole House debate, what did we learn? We learned that there were at least 100 Republican congressmen that had no intention of ever repealing and replacing Obamacare. That all of those, yeah. you know, 50, 60 show votes, whatever it was, that that's all they were were show votes. But 
even at the time, I told you they were show votes because if they really wanted repeal and replace, then they, they would have used the power of the purse. So that was the first indication that they were total BS votes. So with that said, the people that I, I really respect in Congress the most, the, the Freedom Caucus, they're the ones that rolled up their sleeves we're working 20 hours a day. Mark Meadows, Jim Jordan, Dave Bratt, and all those guys, Louis Gomert, they were rolling up their sleeves. And what they very cleverly did is they thread a needle to make sure that premiums go down and competition goes up. And they opened up the opportunity for catastrophic plans for, you know, things like Dr. Umber. And that is th- these different cooperatives around the country. And and of course, what I think is important to medical savings accounts. So it wasn't perfect. It wasn't a complete repeal. Nobody said it was. No, but, it- uh, but at the same time, we're being price gouged by the health industry. I mean, if you look at the cost of x-rays and CT scans overseas, as opposed to the cost here, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but that's that was the whole point. That's what, remember. Remember, the CBO predicted a 30 to 35 percent decrease in premiums under the the House Freedom Caucus plan that eventually passed the House. So that was the that was the most important aspect to it. And, you know, there's a reason why Ted Cruz, as long as the Cruz amendment was included, because that was going to be driving down premiums. So there was an immediate positive impact, although imperfect. I'll take imperfect. I'm not. Look, I understand you got varying factions within every party. It's not what if I Sean Hannity had his way, I'd repeal the whole thing today and then i'd immediately write up a bill that created more cooperatives like in wichita kansas and more opportunities for health savings accounts and more competition than we've ever seen and the ability for young people so that they no longer are forced to pay for the the elderly the sick and the disabled and the uninsured that they would be able to get a plan that works for them which is in most instances something like a catastrophic plan and that's well, this you, wasn't my only issue with it it was it you know it had to do with uh um, I've had x-rays. I had an x-ray in Turkey where it was uh, cost me $35 to get an x-ray and blood work done there, and I had no insurance over there. Come yeah. back here, and how much does it cost here? It's Okay, it's- but if you let's say you lived in Wichita, and you are part of okay. Atlas MD. Okay, that would be free. Your medicines would be free. You pay $50 a month for unlimited care. Then you, you bolster your, your cooperative plan with a catastrophic plan if you have a heart attack or get cancer or you have a bad accident. That's the perfect scenario because catastrophic care is relatively inexpensive depending on how high your deductible is. Let's say you have a, a $10,000 deductible, which is a lot of money, but if you're able to afford it, a worst case scenario, you have a bad accident. Okay, you pay ten grand out of pocket. The bill is three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000, and all of it's paid for from there. And that, no, and ins- that insurance is very inexpensive. Maybe if we replace the politicians with those types of doctors, <laughs> we could come Justin, to some type I, of agreement. <laughs> Justin, I, I mean, do you poor Josh Umber? How many times, Linda, did we send him to Washington or did he get invited to Washington to meet with Tom Price, the Health and Human Services Secretary, congressmen and senators? I mean, this poor guy, because we we've been putting him on since 2012, he had to drag himself to D.C. to explain it to these idiots and they still don't get it. But okay, so I'm a really bad candidate for health insurance. I've got type one diabetes. I'm a two times cancer survivor. Okay. Yep. So I am. I've been watching this very, very closely. Of course. No, no, no. You... Luckily, I have a job, so that that helps. No, but... but you need a plan that doesn't punish you because you have pre-existing conditions, which, by the way, of all the plans the Republicans had, they, they factored in pre-existing conditions. That, in credit to them, that was always factored in. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, somebody who has type 1 diabetes needs that. How old are you now? Um, 39. Oh, my gosh. How, what kind of cancers did you have? 
I had testicular and thyroid. Okay, how many years ago? Uh, seven. Okay, so you're re- you're really past the time. You're probably in good shape now. If you just yeah, look, manage your weight, screening. manage your blood sugar, and you should be okay. Oh, All right, I'm, I got to run. Five eleven and one eighty two. So. All right, eight hundred nine four one. Sean, toll free telephone number. All right, as we continue, Sean Hannity Show, toll-free, telephone number 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, Joe is in Long Island, New York, my hometown. What's up, Joe? How are you? Glad you called, sir. Hey, Sean, how you doing? How you doing? You know, you were talking about having people take care of you when you get older. I yeah, totally like, if I know I'm going to die, if I have three months and I'm going to be incapacitated, I don't want my family bathing me and cleaning me. Yeah, I've, I've been that way with my, my own in-laws and my my uh, my uncle and stuff. We love to take care of them, but when I get older, I don't want the kids taking care of me like that. It's not right. So I'm totally agreeing with you. You know, I'm, all I'm saying is, if I know it's over, I want to say goodbye in the right way. I want my I want my family to remember me as I was most of my life, and I don't want to burden them that way. And I want to exactly. say goodbye when I'm when I'm conscious and aware and not in pain and not needing to get bathed by my children. That's, that, I, I know somebody. Everyone's calling. Some people call me selfish. I'm not trying to be selfish. I'm trying to be selfless. I'm trying to let them go on with their lives. I've had a great life. I don't. I I have no regrets. Sean, you know what? I think you might have a little bit of a difference of opinion on this one individual. Do you know why? Why? Because Joe is actually Ethan's father-in-law, so maybe Ethan should take care of him. Well, that does add perspective. Uh, Sorry, I had to blow up your spot, Joe. Sorry. So why didn't you tell me? Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Why didn't anyone tell? Everyone's sneaky in there. You know that? It's so much more fun this way. It's the element of surprise. All right, Joe. No, no, no. In your your case, in your case, Ethan needs to suck it up and take care of you. See, see, there's exceptions. I, listen, I'd like to remember me the way I am. Just not. Well, like how about this? When you're debilitated and stuff, I want to be out of here. I know your daughter, Annie, will never let you go through with this idea. She's going to take care of you. Job. Oh, you did not say that on air. Oh, my God. <laughs> I I gotta, hey, can. Joe, who got the better of the deal? <laughs> you Ethan, heard my speech e- at the wedding. Ethan or Annie, who got the better end of that deal? I got the better end of the deal. I didn't ask you. Did I ask you to put your mic? Who do you listen? He's newly married. He better jump in. Joe, who do you think got the better end of the deal? I don't know. Oh God, no! Oh, you're dead. You're dead. Your your daughter's not gonna. She's not gonna bathe you. You're done. You're gonna be. Oh yeah, yeah. She might bring a hose in and squirt you, but that's about it. I don't know. I think they're they're a perfect fit. You know, I would have uh, gone to the wedding if you didn't put it 4,000 miles out in Montauk. Why did you put it all the way out there? I didn't do it. It was up to my daughter. Yeah, well, don't you take orders from your daughter now? Seriously? Who's in don't charge you, of that Sean? family? Don't you, Sean? You don't, don't even try it. Yeah, that's you true. Give me a break. You don't take orders from your daughter? Come of on. Of course I do. <laughs> I, I, I got a boat in my backyard that I didn't want. <laughs> Hey, speaking of that boat, if you want to get rid of it, you know. No, no, no. <laughs> well, I got rid of the, the. I bought a big boat ten years ago. I never used it because I had two engines. Nobody could drive it. Now there's a little baby boat with one engine. That's it. Little, you know, go tubing boat. All right, Joe. Thank you, my friend. God bless you. Okay, and live a long time. This way, we don't have to worry about that. All right. Eight hundred. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean. Toll free telephone number. When we come back, we uh, will be checking in with the House Budget Committee Chairwoman Diane Black. Hopefully, and much more. Straight ahead. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload. Hour. We represent. 
prosperity, economic growth, higher take-home pay, more jobs, or not. Uh, Trump, you just said, you just said him, uh, the president, a minute ago, talking about what he wants to do to make America great again. Uh, I think that he's in the right general direction. I, I personally believe they ought to do as much as they can on health care right now, but they shouldn't spend the whole rest of this year on one issue. They have also got to pass, I think, by Thanksgiving and get signed into law by Thanksgiving, a very large tax cut uh, retroactively designed back to January 1 to make sure that we have enough economic growth in 2018 that Republicans can run as the party of prosperity, of jobs, of higher take-home pay, and of economic growth. And I would, I would say the highest focus ought to be on getting the tax bill through, because if we don't have economic growth next year, I think we're in real danger of having Speaker Nancy Pelosi Look, in 2019. I, if we do get enough is, economic growth, I think, frankly, we'll probably get reelected. All right, News Roundup, Information Overload, final hour, Sean Hannity Show, right down our toll-free telephone number. We'd love to hear from you. It's 800-941-SEAN. That was the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, on my television show last night, and he's absolutely right. He actually was talking about not only the middle-class tax cuts that the president ran on, not only the corporate tax cuts he ran on, he wants about 15%, not the repatriation of multinational corporations. We also factored in the millions of high-paying energy job, energy jobs, career jobs that would be created as America moves towards energy independence. But one of the key obstacles does become the issue of health care not getting done in the Senate because they're counting on about a trillion dollars in savings as part of their overall economic planning. Anyway, here to get into this and much more is the House Budget Committee Chairwoman, Diane Black. She's from Tennessee. It's great to have you back. How are um, All right. So, how important is that trillion in savings, first of all? Well, it is important because it will give us an opportunity to bring those rates down a whole lot more if we're not having to make that up in the baseline. So I want the Senate to get their work done, <laughs> get us a bill back over here so that we can conference and uh, get that off of our agenda. Listen, we've campaigned on this for ever since I've been up here for the last seven years. Let's fix it and move on. You know, I, I, I'm so frustrated, as are so many of my conservative brethren, because 2010 was about, well, give us the House, we'll repeal, replace Obamacare. Give us the Senate in 2014, we'll, we'll get it done then when we have both houses. Then they did in 2015, to their credit, they sent a repeal bill over. Mm-hmm. Give us the House, Senate, the presidency, we'll definitely get this done. Now it's, we need more senators. We don't have enough senators. Some senators don't like what we're going to do. And do you understand the frustration of conservatives like myself? I'm like, lock yourself in a room, roll up your sleeves, and get your job done. Well, I understand it more than just understanding it. I am with you. I am on board with you. I, I know, having been in the minority in the, um, in the General Assembly back in the state of Tennessee, that when we did finally get the majority, you have to learn how to govern. Um, it's not just vote no and be mad all the time. It's a matter of bringing policy to the table. We have good policy out there, and let's just stop worrying about getting everything exactly the way you want it as an individual. And let's let's get something done. You know, Reagan said, give me 50%, I'll come back and get the other half of that loaf of the bread at another time. And we have got to move forward. The American people want us to get our job done, and we need to do it. Okay. Now, let's go to the president's economic plan. One of the things the former speaker said last night, which I really liked and I hadn't thought about it, is – are you a are you a confident that it's going to be the president's plan? Because here's what happened with health care, Congresswoman. It really ticked me off. And it happened in the House and Senate. You know, it wasn't a consensus bill in the House. You had a, nobody knew what was in the bill till they released the bill and said, this is our bill. Mm-hmm. And it was extraordinarily frustrating that that's how the leadership handled it. 
and it ended up making that job 50 times harder than it otherwise needed it to be. They did the same thing in the Senate. Is everybody going to have a chance to see the economic plan? And how closely will that economic plan, the budget proposal, match up to the president's promises on the campaign trail? Uh, so are you talking about the budget or are you talking about I'm talking the about the, the budget proposal because, okay. look, yeah. I want to I get to a balanced budget, but I understand that we also have to have these tax cuts to stimulate the economy. Sure. That the president's, you know, sure. are we, are we going to get a middle class tax cut, a 15 percent corporate rate or somewhere near that? Are we going to get repatriation from multinational corporations? Let's start there. Yeah. So first of all, let's just start at what it takes to even get there, and that is passing a budget. And that's my role and my job as the chairman is to get a budget out of the committee. And I intend on doing that tomorrow. We will be marking up tomorrow because that is our vehicle to tax reform. Without a budget resolution, uh, you can't do reconciliation and, um, and not have the, 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 the Senate uh, have to have cloture with 60 votes. And so it is very important that we get a budget off the floor. But we feel that it's also important to do a budget that is a responsible budget. And so in our budget, not only are we concerned about tax reform, we're also concerned about deficit reduction. So we do have a provision in there to start cutting uh, mandatory spending, $200 billion. Look, it's not as much as I'd like. It's one penny out of every dollar, considering all of our mandatory spending, which is two-thirds of our budget. Why can't we take a penny out of every dollar, even even mandatory spending? Well, you, you can, and you could do across-the-board cuts, but then you also cut good programs. So... What we want to do, we've worked with the authorizers in 11 different committees. But a penny is not a lot. And a penny, you know, when you consider that we have $20 trillion in debt we're dumping on our kids and grandkids, it doesn't seem like that much. Well, it isn't as much as I'd like it to be, but it is a start. And to have 11 authorizers who have agreed with their um, each one of their areas and what they're going to be cutting will be a start. We have not done this since 19, the ni- 1990s, and it begins to change the culture here. And, and reconciliation was always supposed to be for deficit reduction. Now, uh, granted, we'll use it for tax reform as well, but we can walk and chew gum. We can do tax reform, and we can also do deficit reduction. Both of these are very important to the American people. And by the way, we've been talking about them for at least the six years that I've been up here now, seven years. And so our budget has both of those provisions in it. And, uh, All right, let I me think, ask this. How impacted will this budget proposal of yours that includes, mm-hmm. I know you're increasing defense spending, and mm-hmm. yeah, uh, non-mandatory spending, you're going to take a, a penny out of every dollar. You mm-hmm. supposedly have a 10-year path to balancing and reconciliation instructions for tax reform and savings, et cetera, et cetera. I, I get all that. But if you don't get the trillion dollars from the health care savings, how much does that impact the bill? Well, we're going to leave that up to the Senate to pass it before we start doing that. But I talked to Chairman Brady today to say if they do not pass their bill, of course, Chairman Brady is uh, the ways and means. Ways means. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, look, we're working on what we what we have to do and what what difference that will make in our numbers. So I can't answer that question specifically for you at this point in time. But there are some alternative plans out there, and we'll be getting you that information as soon as uh as soon as Chairman Brady gives us some information that we can share with you. Can I just ask one thing? I've been talking on this program about the penny plan for years. Mm -hmm. One penny out of every dollar government spends, one penny, every year for seven years balances the budget. Do you agree with that? I do, and I'm not discounting the fact that if we did that, that might, uh, or that would get us to where we need to go. But I'm also someone who really believes that what we really need to be doing as responsible legislators is looking at these programs and the authorizers should be looking at every program that's in their jurisdiction and saying, is it working? 
do we need to reform it? If, if let's say, Medicare has been around since 1965, is it working? Do we need to reform it? Every program should be looked at and reauthorized. No, I, I like that, too. And, and I'm not saying that you have to have such rigidity, but mm-hmm. overall, if the, the net total amount represents one penny out of every dollar, then we're, we're, we're doing something. Absolutely we? we are, especially when we're spending over $3 trillion every year. One penny out of every one of those dollars does make a difference. Yeah. So, all right, well, I appreciate everything you're doing. I, I hope you get this plan done. I hope <laughs> the, the Senate gets their job done. I'm beyond, I'm beyond frustrated, and I'm not the only one. And I agree with you, and I'm right there with you. I'm beyond frustrated, too. So the first... Yeah, but you're a lot nicer in expressing your frustration than I am about mine. I use words that you would never use. I promise you. Oh my you. goodness! Well, I'm a lady, and so I, I'm. No, a lady. you're nice. I'm not. I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm taking all the blame. I'm. I'm. I'm livid and furious. I'm mad. Well, I'm going to get my budget out of committee, and then we're going to get it on the floor. And it is coming out of committee tomorrow, and I'm proud of that. And all of the work that's been done by all the members of our committee. All right. Would you please just try and push for every dollar they spend every a penny? Dollar. Will you do that for me? Just if that's one little favor I'm asking. I don't ask a lot. <laughs> no, that's not a lot. You know, one penny is not a lot. It's not. I'm I'm being very reasonable. We'll, All right. We'll Thank start you, Congresswoman. We'll the mandatory side and go from there. Thank you so much. Have a good day. 800-941-SEAN. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, and we will continue straight ahead. So here's Tom Fitton. And, and he's out. He's been doing some really good work exposing Hillary Clinton. Here he exposes how Hillary sided with Russia and Bill got an extra $500,000, twice his speaking fee. And then we have Democrats, you know, repeating the phony claims. Fusion GPS, the Christopher Steele, former MI6 agent, Great Britain dossier, you know, the hookers in Russia and the Ritz-Carlton urinating. You know, I can't overemphasize or it would be difficult to overstate the nature of uh, the, the conflict of Hillary Clinton, her husband getting a half a million dollars directly from the Russians while she was secretary of state. Uh, we were astonished when we saw that the State Department, we've got the document, approved this ethics uh, process that allowed this uh, speech and the money evidently to take place, the money transfer to take place. So why would the Clinton State Department allow Hillary Clinton's husband to get a half million dollars from the Russian-connected entity, Renaissance Capital? I don't understand. Imagine, for instance, if the uh, spouse of Rex Tillerson or the spouse of any other cabinet official got a half a million dollars from a foreign government while that official was in office, and then this same official like Hillary Clinton was, was advocating on behalf of Russian interests, not only Uranium One, she didn't oppose Uranium One, which saw the Russians get 20% of our Uranium operations, but then pushed hard for the Russians against the sanctions. Do you believe anything about that dossier? Oh, I think it should be uh, taken a look at. I think they should really read it, understand it, analyze it, and determine what's fact, what may not be fact. We already know that the part about uh, the coverage that they have on him uh, with sex actions uh, is supposed to be true. Uh, They've said that that's absolutely true. Uh, I want to take a moment to turn to the Christopher Steele dossier which was first mentioned in the media just before the election and published in full by media outlets in January. My focus today is to explore how many claims within Steele's dossier are looking more and more likely as though they are accurate. Well, the dossier definitely seems right on these points. A quid pro quo relationship seems to exist between the Trump campaign and Putin's Russia. There is a lot in the dossier that is yet to be proven, but increasingly 
As we'll hear throughout the day, allegations are checking out. All right, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. All right, my big, big time, A.J. Houston, Texas. What's going on, baby? How are you? <laughs> big time, Sean. Hey, Big Daddy. Hey, you know what? Instead of sending pizza in the room, why won't we send some common sense in the room with them weak Republicans? Oh. They got to know that we are pissed out here for what they've done, have not done, I should I say. And... What, I mean, what, go back to what they did in 2015. What are they scared of, big time, Sean? I mean, Trump, hey, hey, wait, let me get this right. The Democrats out here bashing Trump for saying, well, we're going to let it be. And guess what, uh, Democrats, Schumer, all y'all, I hope y'all listening, we're going to blame you Democrats because no Republicans gave us this crap after y'all destroyed what we had and we liked before. Oh, Nancy Pelosi, oh, come out, you know, uh, uh, you got to read it. Wait a minute. We had good coverage. All y'all had to do was leave our stuff alone, and now y'all out here want to blame others for y'all's bad mistakes. Hey, Sean, Sean, these people have lost their mind. And I'm going to tell you something. We're the American people. We're the real American people. We don't remember this. And I hope these doggone Republicans remember on hearing this show and your shows and everything that's going on. When are they going to grow some cojones, big time, Sean? That's what I like to know. When are they going to grow it? We tired of we say they saying the same thing over and over again. All we hear is talk, talk, talk. What they can't do. You got the House. You got the Senate. You got the White House. Come on and grow some. Uh, uh, wait a minute. Uh, I'm gonna calm down. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. John. No, 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 no. We have a right to be angry. We have a right to be mad. They failed us. We didn't fail them. They've had plenty of time now. I'm sick of their excuses. I'm tired of them. And so are the American people. And it's time to get their act together and get their job done. That's what it's time for them to do. It's time for them to go to work instead of taking vacations. All right, big time, AJ. Love you. You're the best. Uh, Joe in Ella J in Georgia. I've known Joe. He's been calling my program since 1992. How are you, Big Joe? Sean, you're great. You're the best taxpayer champion in the country. Sean, I am. You know, my, Mitch McConnell's been up there in Washington since 1986. I'm sure he's a fine man, but I think it's time for him to go. Part of being a leader is you bring people together and get them to get them to accomplish the health care reform, the tax reform, and he's not done it. So I think we need some more le- some new leaders in the Senate and maybe even in the House, but certainly in the Senate. I think McConnell's been there long enough. What do you think? I think it's time to get the job done or go. Get the job done or leave and get somebody in place that can get the job done. That's what I say. It's, it's really that well, simple. It's not any more complicated than that. All right, big time Joe and LJ. Thank you, sir. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Let's go back to earlier today and the president responding to the inability of the Republicans in the Senate to repeal, replace health care. It now seems like Plan C is failing as well as now three Republicans at least have come out against just repealing the measure. Anyway, here's uh, here's what the president had to say. We've had a lot of victories, but we haven't had a victory on health care. We're disappointed. I am very disappointed because, again, even as a civilian, for seven years I've been hearing about health care. And I've been hearing about uh, repeal and replace. And Obamacare is a total disaster. Some states had over a 200 percent increase, a 200 percent increase in their premiums. 
and their deductibles are through the roof. It's an absolute disaster. And I think you'll also uh, agree that I've been saying for a long time, let Obamacare fail, and then everybody's going to have to come together and fix it and uh, come up with a new plan and a plan that's really good for the people with much lower premiums, much lower costs, and much better protection. I've been saying that, Mike, I think you'll agree for a long time. Let Obamacare fail. It'll be a lot easier. And I think we're probably in that position where we'll just let Obamacare fail. Uh, We're not going to own it. I'm not going to own it. I can tell you the Republicans are not going to own it. We'll let Obamacare fail, and then the Democrats are going to come to us, and they're going to say, how do we fix it? How do we fix it? Or how do we come up with a new plan? So we'll see what happens. There's some other things going on right now as we speak. But I am disappointed because for so many years I've been hearing repeal and replace. I'm sitting in the Oval Office right next door, pen in hand, waiting to sign something. And I'll be waiting. And eventually we're going to get something done. And it's going to be very good. But Obamacare is a big failure. And it has to be changed. We have to go to a plan that works. We have to go to a much less expensive plan plan in terms of premiums. And something will happen, and it'll be very good. May not be as quick as we had hoped, but it's going to happen. Well, they were not disloyal. They had their own reasons. I was very surprised when the two folks came out last night because we thought they were in fairly good shape, but uh, they did. And, you know, everybody has their own reason. But if you really think about it, you look at it, and we have 52 people. We had no Democrat support, which is really, you know, something that should be said. We should have had Democrats voting. This is a great plan for a lot of people. Uh, We had no Democrat support. We have 52 people. We had four knows. Now, we might have had another one somewhere in there, but essentially the vote would have been pretty close to, if you look at it, 48 to 4. That's a pretty impressive vote by any standard. And yet you have a vote of 48 to 4 or something like that, and you need more. It's pretty tough. So the way I look at it is, in 18, we're going to have to get some more people elected. We have to go out and we have to get more people elected that are Republican. And we have to probably pull in those people, those few people that voted against it. I don't know. They're going to have to explain to you why they did, and I'm sure they'll have very fine reasons. But I think we're going to do very well, actually, in 18. I would be not surprised if something were done long before that. But in any event, because the margin is so small, the majority margin is so small, we're going to have to go out and get more Republicans elected in 18. And I'll be working very hard for that to happen, okay? It it would be nice to have Democrat support, but really they're obstructionists. Uh, They have no ideas. They have no thought process. All they want to do is obstruct government and obstruct, period. And in this case, think of it. Uh, So many good things, we didn't get one vote, and their plan has failed. And by the way, Obamacare isn't failing. It's failed. It's gone. So uh, I think something's going to happen. We'll find out. Stay tuned. So the president very clearly just laying out facts here, and that is that Republicans didn't get the job done. Okay, he's not responsible for Obamacare. And that means the ever increasing premiums, the ever increasing lack of care, the ever increasing losing doctors and losing your plans will just continue and it will collapse of its own weight. And if Republicans can't get their act together, and I'm suggesting something that nobody else seems to be suggesting, look, these people need to get to work. This is now, what, what's today's day? The 18th of July. They have had since January 20th, Pat Toomey saying, well, we didn't know that 
the president was going to win. This took us all by shock. We weren't expecting this. All right, you've now had time to absorb the shock, Senator. And I really don't think there's any excuse. I don't think there's any whatsoever. Well, we only have 52 senators. Well, we only have the House. Well, we only have the House and the Senate. We don't have the White House. Now we have the House, the Senate, and the White House. We don't have enough senators. American people don't want to hear it. They just don't. So if you guys want to save your jobs and save your future and do what's right for the American people, stop taking your vacations. And I don't mean just a two-week, you know, delay. You haven't gotten the job done, so I suggest you get a room. I suggest a room big enough for all 52 of you, you 51 until Senator McCain gets back to Washington. And I suggest that you stock it with water and pretzels and potato chips. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll the taxpayers will bear the burden of the cost of it. I'll pay for it myself if you stay in there and order some pizza, Subway sandwiches. I know it's not quite the Senate dining room. And lock the door. Take everybody's phone so they don't sit there texting and leaking everything that's going on the entire time. And don't leave the room until you finish the job. Stay in there and do your job. And find a way to thread the needle and bring people together. And put as the, I I put on a chalkboard that I bring in there. Serve the American people. Keep your promises. And put those words up there. They're words to live by. You know, either fulfill your promises or politically say goodbye. And if you can't get the job done, if McConnell can't pull it off, well, then McConnell should step aside. And then we should bring in a new leader. And the new leader should do the same thing. Close the door. Keep everybody in session. Keep everybody in there. Lock it. Take everybody's phone and stay in there till he comes up with a solution or she comes up with a solution. They can't get the job done, then we'll go to another leader. And stay in there till you, I don't care if you rot in there with old pizza and french fries and quarter pounders with cheese, and I'll even throw in some Coors Light, but get your job done. It's not quite the Senate dining room and not quite the scotch and the brandy, the, the cigars that everybody's so used to. And maybe that'll motivate you people. Maybe turn the air condition off, make you all sweat. All right, let's get to our... Busy telephones. Patricia is in Montgomery, Texas. Patricia, hi. How are you? And we're glad you called. Oh, thanks for thanks for having me on. Uh, I just want to tell you that I am livid with these senators, and I'm going to find out who these people are and make sure they don't ever get elected back into office again if they can't get it get it together. And um, I mean, the least they could do is repeal this thing. And um, um, I don't know. They're just making us look like a bunch. Listen, of I said earlier today, repeal is fine with. I'm fine with repeal. And right. I'm fine with the transition. I'm just not fine with a transition that ends up being billions and trillions of dollars in new spending. That I'm not fine with. That is not going to solve the problem. That that's the type of thing that we don't need. Well, I thought that that plan you had with that doctor sounded fantastic. Was it? Did anything ever go? Well, with the repeat. That? I mean- well, the repeat. Here's the interesting part of it, and I'm, I've been talking to Doctor. Josh Umber since 2012. Yeah. I didn't even know I've been talking to him that long. It's five years I've known this guy. I have been pushing my entire career for health savings accounts. A great book by the Cato Institute called Patient Powder. Musgrave and Goodman are the names of the people that wrote it. And I've been pushing for that for years. But I'll be honest, I think I'm more sold on the cooperative idea because what what Dr. Umber's plan and model creates is concierge care for the average Men for the men and women in this country, not this is the type of care that rich people get because rich people, even if they have insurance, will pay doctors more money for more services. And that means if somebody's sick at three in the morning, okay, they have a deal with the doctor, the doctors come over their house. 
with this particular case in Wichita, 50 bucks a month, you get the same care, unlimited service, unlimited care, unlimited treatments. I mean, the only thing it doesn't cover is a, a really bad accident or a heart attack or, God forbid, you get cancer. But that's what catastrophic insurance is about by repealing Obamacare, well, then you get to buy catastrophic insurance. By repealing Obamacare, you would allow cooperatives like this now to become a a brand new paradigm. You'd allow health savings accounts to flourish. You know, if you just put in a one provision on that. So this is not hard to do. And the fact that they can't get their act together is is, it's it's everything I've been saying. It's typical. It's predictable. And what you have now are, are Democratic, more moderate governors salivating at the idea that Republicans can't accomplish a thing. And if they don't get it done, then they're going to pay the price politically. And I can't say that I really care all that much. Because if they don't do their job, who's, you know, what, what, why did we elect you people? What, to tell us you can't, you can't figure it out? I'm not expecting what I want. I already sucked it up with the stupid House bill that I didn't particularly love. But it's infinitely better than the failure that's going on now. Anyway, I don't mean to rant, Patricia, but you're right. Well, one somebody had a really good idea yesterday. I remember where I saw it on TV or something, but they had doctors calling in saying, hey, why don't we do this and why don't we do that? And somebody had this really good idea about uh, starting a website where you kind of consolidate all your ideas. I mean, I don't know why these senators hadn't done something like that, where they, they all throw in their ideas and make something happen. Linda, how many meetings has Dr. Umber gone to Washington to attend as a result of him being on our show, including with the Health and Human Services Secretary? I would say he's had at least between 10 and 15 meetings on the Hill. Yeah, I mean, I've ruined this guy's life, Patricia. I mean, I really did. I mean, he's paying <laughs> for this out of his own pocket to try and help these idiots get their job done. And yeah. And I just know a good idea when I hear it. And it's a good idea. 50 bucks a month. Anybody can, if you work, you can afford 50 bucks a month for unlimited health care. Unlimited. And pharmaceuticals, every pharmaceutical, 98% off. I, it's ridiculous that it, this is not duplicated everywhere. It's common sense health care. Anyway, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, Heather is in Greenville in North Carolina next on the Sean Hannity Show. Heather, hi. How are you? And welcome to the program. I'm good. Actually, I just wanted to call. I heard you. Um, last week and earlier this week talking about dying alone, and I absolutely disagree with you. Oh, boy, we're back. You know, this is apparently uh, my opinion. I didn't know that Linda put up a poll on it, but 80% of people agree with me. Now, I want to be clear. Somebody said, you mean you're going to go kill yourself? I didn't, no, 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 no. I don't want to be selfish, and I don't want my family. If if I know that in three months, you know what it's like. If three months they say you're done, you're and what are the odds you're going to ever recover? None. If I hear that, if I'm getting to a point that I think I'd be a burden to my family and not able to take care of myself, I would choose to go to to not have my family spend the rest of their life cleaning me up and and taking care of my every need. And I'd rather them remember me as I was. And I don't think it's selfish. I'm trying to be selfless here. And I understand that. And I I actually can totally understand where you're coming from and respect that desire. But I'm 33 years old. My father actually passed away last year. And he was sick for many years prior to that. You know, we weren't given an exact you know, number of days or months. But you knew he was, you knew it wasn't well. But we knew it wasn't well. And, and two of those years, he was bedridden. And, you know, we had some uh, home help, but that's really expensive. And it just wasn't feasible to have it all the time. And so I am an only child and I ended up being the one who, you know, 
bathed him often, and my mother had some uh, disabilities as well, and so I bathed him and cleaned him and said, you know, a lot of these things, and he was a very proud, you know, man and a provider, and he didn't want to be a burden either, but I think at the end of the day, he wanted to be with his family, and I'm glad that he gave me that chance. He got to spend time with my daughter and got to, you know, see my son see, you're making the, about six months. You're making the best argument I think anybody anybody could make, and that is that I'm glad he gave me that chance to love him back because parents do everything for the kids. And I, and I, 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 I don't know what it is. It, for me, you know, I remember my grandfather, and to see this man incapacitated after he had a stroke, and it was just, and I, I didn't mind taking care of him. I really didn't. I mean, I used to love sneaking him a shot of whiskey every day, and he'd be very <laughs> thankful. Um, but I'm just saying for me, it's there. I just prefer at that point, I just rather say, all right, have a big party, say my goodbyes. They'll, you know, when they'll hear when I die and I just want to go off alone and not, and then let them remember me as my, I was, that's it. How I mostly was in my life. Cause sometimes that can linger on for months and months and months and months. It's such a burden on people. And I, but I wouldn't want anyone to do it to me. So there's a little hypocrisy on my part. I agree with that. Anyway, thank you for a good call and a compassionate call. I'm sorry about your dad. It's it's tough when you lose a loved one. It really is. All right, quick break. We'll come back. An awesome Hannity, 10 Eastern. I have a message for Republicans tonight, and we've got more information of Hillary and committing obstruction of justice. New information out from the FBI tonight at 10. All right, that's all the time we have this evening. You know what we're doing tonight on TV? We're going to hold Washington accountable. We're going to hold the Republicans accountable. And we're going to force them to do their job. And if they don't do it, then we're going to replace them. Herman Cain's going to check in with us. We'll also check in with Jim Jordan of the Freedom Caucus. Mark Meadows will join us. Uh, and, well, maybe some other members as well. Also, my mini monologue tonight, new information, FBI and Hillary Clinton, that she obstructed justice. We'll get to that. And also, Tommy Laren gets the last word. And Jay Sekulow and Greg Jarrett, 10 Eastern. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.